following podcast contains beer, banter, and absolutely no legal advice from four family lawyers speaking in a personal capacity. Any views expressed are our own and not those of our employers or chambers. Any legal commentary is for your amusement only. Always seek specialist legal advice. Welcome to the Without Prejudice podcast. Are we live? Action. Looks like we're live. We're live, okay. So uh, I guess welcome to the first pilot test episode. Um, and it's down to me this time to do a brief introduction of who we've got with us. Uh, just so as everyone knows who we are, uh, we've got a good idea to introduce everyone. Uh, so first up we have Sean Hilton. Sean is a family solicitor at Stevens and Bolton, based in Guildford and Surrey. A top lawyer and a top bloke, Sean has previously been listed as a rising star in the Super Lawyers list and has been shortlisted for awards including Young Family Solicitor of the Year. Sean is no longer young and sprightly. He's been qualified for eight years and has recently welcomed uh, a baby to the world. Um, Sean is therefore now used to literally dealing with lots of shit in both his professional and personal life. Uh, next up we have Darren, Darren Hark. Darren is a family solicitor at Vaislingham K based in Moorgate in London. Darren is a proud Mancunian who came to London to steal our jobs. Uh, Darren has been practicing for almost five years and is ranked in the legal directories also. In one directory, it states that Darren punches well above his weight, which is funny as rumor has it that Darren recently started importing bats from China, which exacerbated the coronavirus situation in the UK, leading to the boxing match against me this week being cancelled. <laughs> Next, we have our little barrister, Mark Samuels. Baby-faced Mark Cyril Samuels, that is a true story, was called to the bar six years ago and is part of 36 group chambers. Mark's website bio will tell you that he trained as a solicitor, but has since gone to the dark side and is a specialist barrister who straddles commercial chancery law and family law. Interesting fact about Mark is that he is the author of a book entitled Commercial Contracts for UK Companies. Those eager to read this will be able to purchase it in all good bookshops in December 2020 and at all good car boot sales from January 2021. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lastly, it's those I've myself. I'm Dan Chalmers, a family solicitor at Clinton's, uh, not the card shop, based in Covent Garden in London. I've been qualified for nine years and will probably be described by my friends as an all-round good egg, mainly because I have no hair and I'm very bald. I think that sums us all up nicely. Great work, Dan. I think... Um... If nothing else, you've definitely got a face for radio, mate. So it's a good job to be doing this on an audio basis. <laughs> Insult straight away. Oh, it's got to set the tone early. Set we? the tone nice and early. Oh, I need a beer. There we go. Intro's done. How are we all? Good. Very good. Very good. How are you? How's everybody coping with... Uh, get away without mentioning the lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I'm oscillating between kind of semi-gloom and euphoria at just everything being slower and there being a bit of sunshine. But I don't know. How are you guys doing? I think it's strange. I mean, I was kind of, um, I was doing all right at the start. I felt quite novel, you know, it kind of felt like that sort of extended period of working from home. But this week I've started to go a bit stir crazy, which is, I think, one of the main reasons why it's been good to kind of catch up with you guys and something I think that hopefully other people can relate to at the moment. It's just, you know, everything seems like it's in a bit of a bubble. And often in those scenarios, we've got our kind of professional lives to fall back on. And even that at the moment seems to be totally up in the air. So um, it's just been kind of, as you say, Mark, like a mixture of kind of stumbling around in the dark and the moments where you think, oh, actually, it could be worse. 
uh, and actually, you know, at least I'm at home, at least I'm safe. But yeah, generally it just feels like a weird time and I'm starting to kind of look now to the horizon as to what it's going to be like in, you know, maybe six weeks, maybe eight weeks. And I actually think that the transition out of this is going to be as difficult as being in it because we're settling into a new normal at the moment and I don't know what it's going to be like having to then go back to what we thought was normal before. There is going to be a new normal, isn't there? It's going to be, it must be completely different. I think that, um, I, I'm with you guys, I, I, I'm not massively enjoying the lockdown thing. I don't, uh, I don't know anyone that's really enjoying it, but I was quite bummed out um, in the first couple of weeks, really not enjoying it. I think I've been busy the last couple, therefore that's kind of got me through work-wise. But as family lawyers, we all know that we're constantly either really busy and therefore moaning about being really busy, or... Where, where, where's the next case coming from? You know, it's all peaks and troughs with us. And so, you know, everyone is sort of saying at the minute, or other areas of law from what I can gather, we'll all be okay because there's going to be a big surge in divorces. You know, we're going to have loads of jobs, but I don't think there is a guarantee about that. Um, and so there's kind of that bubbling undercurrent of concern there as well. Um, but I think that as to what the new normal will be, I don't know what it will be, but it has to change. And even from the courts and everything, becoming electronic and judges having to deal with virtual and telephone hearings and all that we've all been part of the last few weeks. It's got to change. Um, hopefully for the better, though, I think, in the long also run. Also, probably like our working practices generally. I mean, I know that you guys obviously work in your firms. I tend to work a lot from home by choice rather than chambers. But I think it's, it's going to produce some interesting effects if you've got an entire generation of judges who've had to get up to speed very quickly with online hearings in certainly in my world, almost certainly in your practices, starting having conferences with clients via Zoom, etc. Even like you guys know, yesterday I gave a training seminar by Zoom. If we were to go back a few months time, you know, I wouldn't have considered that. And it sort of begs the question of, is the legal industry going to sort of unlearn the new techie skills it's had to get up to speed with? I, I'm not convinced that it will. Have you and done any um, like remote hearings, Mark, in terms of visual, sort of uh, virtual hearings uh, using Zoom or Skype or anything like that, or has it just been telephone? So I've only had telephone, and <laughs> in a way, I'm actually getting slightly um, irritated that I haven't yet had one for the simple reason that now is the time that everyone's making embarrassing mistakes and everything's going a bit haywire. But I fully expect that I'll get my first one at some point soon. Everyone else will be completely savvy and I'll be the one screwing up. So I think now's the time to get those skills. But no. Um, I'm, I'm desperate for a Zoom hearing. I just love the idea of like shirt and tie at the top, shorts and flip-flops underneath the table. I just think it would be like, it's just that kind of cartoon version of a court hearing, isn't it? With the judge like with wig and gown and then in shorts and flip-flops underneath the desk. You're like that in open court, though, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Only with you, Mark. Only with you. From the belt up. Only in front of certain judges at the CFC. <laughs> well, I've had um, I've had a couple of not Zoom court hearings, but conferences and um, sort of arbitration chats, I guess, with the arbitrator on the other side. Um, and yeah, I've had them. In, in, I was in my kitchen. I had uh, a lovely shirt on, and I was just a, an open collar shirt, much like Sean's wearing now. And I had tracksuit bottoms on, but made full disclosure during that that I was sat in tracky bottoms because a comment was made by the arbitrator that I was dressed very smart. And I was like, "You got a shirt on." <laughs> I was the arbitrator dress. 
Uh, well, I think he was just wearing a t-shirt. He wasn't underdressed. He's a very well-known, reputable arbitrator, I should say. But uh, no, he was dressed. Like, he was dressed, um, but he wasn't wasn't smart by any means. Um, Did he tell you what he was wearing on his bottom half? He didn't. So even when he was messaging you afterwards, he didn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> private messaging, Mark. Private. <laughs> it's all encrypted. I'll tell you one thing I was thinking about, and uh, Mark, you're probably best place to think about this, was there must be, at the moment, a new breed of barrister, or the more subtle, quiet, maybe intellectual barristers are coming to the fore, because you can't uh, overspeak, you, mm. you can't shout over anyone, you can't use physical intimidation tactics, you can't be aggressive. It's well, going to struggle. really sort of piecemeal, aren't you? I'm um, saying this is the time of, for the keyboard warrior to step up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that you, I, Mark? I, I think you <laughs> might be right. I mean, there's, if you want to go a bit further and say that, okay, advocacy skills are changing because, you know, that kind of physical dynamic to what we do doesn't come across as readily. It also begs the question, are some solicitors who... Um, may not have felt comfortable undertaking advocacy themselves. I mean, would you guys be more up for it, knowing that you can do it from home? I don't actually know if you do it at all, do you? Oh, I love having a crack at a bit of advocacy. Yeah, I'm so... just worried about the negligence claims that are going to follow. <laughs> if I could, I'd do it all the time, but I think the SRA might have a different opinion. <laughs> yeah. Do you do much at all now, Sean and Darren? Regional this, I think. When I was practising in Manchester, as you alluded to earlier, then, uh, then yes, it was more solicitors that led with the uh, with the advocacy, particularly for director's appointments on what's great for routine hearings. And you got the council involved at a later date, but certainly fine in London that that is uh, very rarely the case. Uh, and it's something I miss. If, I'd like it if, uh, if, if what you say, Mark, is true and we have more solicitors doing it or more appetite for solicitors doing it across the board, then I think that'd be a good thing. It will, um, it might hit your bank uh, balance, but it will. Uh... <laughs> Mark's right, there will be more solicitors giving it a go and because it's telephone and because they can have their two three screens their textbooks they can be, you know no one's no judge is looking at them there's no real sort of presentation skills are there it's all you can read aloud you know you can read from your notes uh, i think people will give it a go but i mean my view was i used to do a lot of advocacy when i was um, at one of my first firms um sounds like i've been at about 100 there but my first firm um <laughs> But Only 75, small, Dan. I know, yeah. It was, uh, but it was smaller <laughs> cases. So it was, um, you know, ca cases that were only going to be listed for 10 to 30 minutes where it was on a topic that I knew very well and therefore I was really confident in doing it. But I think moving into a bigger firm with bigger cases, I'm with Sean on the whole negligence side of things. Why would you not create yourself or get the client a sort of legal team and get barristers that are trained in the art of advocacy yeah. to do that bit for you? Um, it's it also cheaper. It's cheaper for the client as well. Absolutely. If I like build in the amount of time it would take me to prep for a hearing, even if it is a 10 minute directions hearing, it's cheaper for me to get the client a uh, junior barrister than it is for me to do the work, uh, which, you know, in a way I sometimes, you know, clients ask that question all the time. You know, Why do I need a barrister? Why can't you do it? Uh, well, I could do it for you, but actually it'll cost you more money. And if it all goes to plan, I could do a really good job for you. But if there's some curveball that I'm not expecting, that I might not have read up that case that references that point of the FBR. Actually, if you've got a junior barrister there with you, then you're better placed. And there's the obvious point about, you know, if you get a, a barrister in at an early stage, as you say, Dan, build a legal team around the client, you end up getting a better result at the end of the day. So I think it's an important separation of powers. 
is to sort of divide and conquer with advocacy and preparation of a case between solicitors and barristers. But I, I don't think that many solicitors who tend to brief barristers more often than not will change that because of what's going on. We all develop our practices in a certain way and I don't see that changing. We know we'll continue to use barristers, which I'm sure Mark will be very pleased about having just booked his uh, summer holiday. So. Oh, amen to that, yeah. So how do we think that clients are handling this? You know, we're obviously all still on the cold face having to deal with our usual clients day in, day out. How have people found that the clients are getting on with things? Badly. Long question, Badly, short man. answer. <laughs> Cheers, Dan. Every case is different, as we all know. There's a, you know, there's a big shout right now amongst you know, sort of legal professionals saying, why would you settle now? Um, mm. No one knows what businesses are worth. No one knows what assets are really worth. Um, the property market, as far as I know, and I'm by no means an expert, is frozen. How do you get valuations at the moment? There's so much sort of up in the air. But I can see, and also the, the courts, um, the fact that a lot of cases are just being adjourned either because there's mm -hmm. technical reasons why the hearings can't be heard or otherwise. But all of that considered, it's why would you deal with it now? And I, th I think clients are probably frustrated if they're in, in the middle of cases. Um, I've had quite a few that have still been starting. I mean, I did have one case recently where a lawyer was saying to me, yeah, the hearing's going to go ahead. And I was like, there's no way I'm taking myself or my client to a court building, even if the court says yes. Some of them are dealing with it badly. Some of them are dealing with it very well. A lot of people are just pressing pause. And I'm not sure yeah. there's any other way to deal with it at the moment than that. I've had a uh, reconciliation this week. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've had a, you know, we've, we've taken stock of things and we've, you know, it's a couple who've been stuck in the house together, um, but had issued a divorce petition, hadn't yet got to be nice side started discussions around finances but very early stages and they've now turned around and said you know we've, we've spent some time together and we've decided that we're gonna give it a go so maybe you know maybe it's not all doom and gloom i've yeah. had a couple of really that were really heavily contested children act cases um that were clearly going to go to court and were going to be you know quite a bit of fight but because of lockdown and actually some uh, you know people suffering from or think they might have been suffering from the illness therefore have had to self-isolate have come through it and have said actually we can manage this yeah. um, we've all had to live together therefore we can do it i do think there'll be quite a few reconciliations out of this so maybe it's not all money at the end of the, of the road for family lawyers you know there could be quite a lot of reconciliations after this it's funny because i've seen on the more contentious trusts chancery side of things an upsurge in work on that side of the fence. And I can't really attribute that to anything other than people using this time in, you know, slightly longer running cases to really get their house in order to, if they need specific opinions on certain things. My court diary, like many junior barristers, has been hit quite significantly with just things being adjourned out left, right and centre. But paperwork, oddly, has gone up. I, I don't really have too much of a... Um, sight as to whether or not that's true of everybody. Embarrassing <laughs> So, you know, if, if, you're, if you're not busy at the moment, is uh, should you be reading into that? But I know a lot of barristers <laughs> are doing written work, um, a lot of telephone calls, conferences. It's kind of maybe just changed the way they work a bit. But, uh, you know, everyone still seems to be busy. But I do think as a whole, family law is going downhill. It is slowing down um, and will do for most of us until we get to, as Sean said earlier, some sort of new normal.
be interesting what the normal looks like, though. I'd be interested to see what everyone thinks about that because it's normal all the courts open and suddenly everything's up and running. But then, are the cases all going to go back? Because the same uncertainties about business valuations, property valuations, investment valuations, are all going to be there. There'll be a lack for them to catch up. You might first find yourself trapped in a lacuna where you're, yeah, okay, you're here, you can go ahead, but you've still got massive uncertainty. Look what happened after the crash 10 years ago. And, you know, maybe we'll see a lot of um, cases where we're sharing risk, you know, set it on a percentage basis. Just think we should take a moment there to recognise Darren's use of the word lacuna, which is uh, fairly <laughs> impressive, actually, on a Friday afternoon. I was going to let it go. I was going to let it go. Mr. Hilton, would you like me to explain to you that what that means? <laughs> no, I slept through enough constitutional administrative lectures that I think I can manage the word lacuna. Yeah, I feel like Darren needs more beer in him. What's he got in front of him today? Is, have you got, is that a pale ale, Darren, you've got? This is, this is yeah, it's, a, it's a tangerine flavoured citrus session IPA. If you want to put out uh, the brewery, we might get some sponsorship, you know, get some freebies. That'd be good. Well, that's good. Oh, in that case, then it's Bruder. Yeah, perfect. There we go. Very good. Sure. A bit of red for you there. Yeah, I'm on a nice uh, French Pinot Noir. I had it sort of lying around. Intake of beers has increased significantly. And I'm not really sure why that is, but um, especially because I've got a seven-week-old baby, so it's not like I've got the opportunity to sit in the garden and sunbathe with a beer. I had some nice red lying around. Thought I'd open the bottle now and share a glass with the boys. Why not? You'll have finished it by the time dinner is ready, though. That is absolutely true. But, have you got uh, a second bottle? I'm sure I can find one with dust on it somewhere. Surely when the baby sleeps, Caroline sleeps, and you're, you're on the booze. Yeah, but it's difficult because you kind of do stuff in shift. So it's, um, it, it works. Again, you know, with everything that's going on, just so strange for me at the moment. Just this weird bubble of being a new dad and having to juggle that and, you know, uncertainties with work and what's going on with firms and money and bonuses and pay and all that jazz. Yeah. And then, you know, cases coming out of the diary, new inquiries coming in, but everything's just really strange. It's a positive spin on it, Sean. Speaking to a friend of mine who's a new new father as well, and and something he said, which I'm sure will resonate with you, is um, actually, despite all the stresses you've just alluded to, this is actually a wonderful time because never would he have had his baby born six weeks ago, and he has uh, he's been at home with the baby since birth, not had to go to work. He's been around. He's been able to enjoy all the little firsts, if you like, um, which most parents, most fathers or mothers, whoever it is that returns to work. Just don't get to have, so... I totally right. Still great, but I'm sort of starting to get this tension between being busy with work and so sort of having to be upstairs at my desk and then being able to hear the baby downstairs and wanting to go and kind of do all that, uh, kind of, you know, play with her and, and do bath time and all those things. And in a way, like, if you're removed from it and you're in the office, you're kind of at work, and then when you're at home, you're at home. Mm. Whereas it can be, I think, really easy at the moment. I'm sure this is true for everyone. You know, if you're busy with work, work really never stops when it's at home because it's a Saturday and you walk past your laptop and you think, oh, I might have a couple of emails that I should deal yeah. with. Or it's nine o'clock on a Friday night and you've had dinner and you walk past your laptop and you think, oh, maybe I should see if that client's responded. Not after red wine. No, no, definitely. Claims a lot, to be frank. Um. <laughs> <laughs> The case of Bordeaux versus Pinot Noir, <laughs> yeah, that's my style. Do you know what though, guys? It's actually a skill set trying to build up that, I guess it's a kind of discipline about creating a proper professional barrier between I stop work at this time and, you know, I start work at this time. 
I personally have been, I mean, I've been working from home now for quite a few years, most of the week. I still struggle to maintain that barrier because as you say, if you're, you're drafting something, you know, if, if you're in full flow, it's actually quite difficult to say, you know, I'm going to stop now. And then you look around at the clock and it's, you know, it's coming up to one in the morning and you're working solidly. Was something that I haven't yet learned. Yeah, no, no. Right. Well, the boundaries have just been removed. The tangible boundary between home and work is is not there at the moment. And I suppose it is a skill and a discipline that will all happen there. But it's um, also, I guess, a mental health thing about being able to create a psychological barrier between your recreational space and time and your professional space and time. I'm no doctor, but I would hazard a guess and say it's probably unhealthy to be mixing the two long term. I totally agree. I think, Dan, you're the same as me. I started off when this all kicked off working from the kitchen table type thing. Yeah. Um, and I just found that I was just constantly sort of switched on. Um, and I've sort of moved myself upstairs now to the upstairs bedroom. And I know Dan's done the same. And I think actually it's been really healthy to sort of, you know, compartmentalise in a way. Yeah. Because we kind of got into that routine of like, you know, you work long hours and then you've always kind of got your work phone with you. So you're always contactable and you might do a couple of work emails on your phone, on the train, on the way home from work or whatever it might be. And, and therefore blur the lines a little bit. But when it's kind of you're plugged in at home, it makes it harder, as, as you said, Mark, to kind of switch off entirely. And you do end up just working more than you think you would. There's, there's another question I'll be interested to hear your guys' thoughts on. Do you feel that because, of course, everybody knows where we all are all of the time, all of us are at home, there's actually, is there an expectation that you're more readily compatible than you would otherwise be? It's, it's slightly difficult to... Yeah, well, I mean, for example, I'm, um, I'm going to take a day's annual leave next Friday. My email is going to say, I'm on annual leave. Everyone knows I'm at home. Mm. Everyone knows I can be no more than 20 foot from my laptop. Uh, and I've got my emails on my phone. So I think to put annual leave at the minute, it just seems ridiculous um, because everyone knows where you are. And I definitely have found that maybe a few clients have not taken advantage, but I think it just is, isn't it? You, you're, you're there. And I find yeah. I work really well in the morning. So I get up early and I start. And by lunchtime, I'm kind of in bored. I like to take an extended lunch. But then if I get cracking in the evening, all of a sudden I look, it's not quite one o'clock, like Mark said, but I'm not as hard a worker. Um, I'm looking and it's like 9, 10 p.m. and you haven't stopped. And I know loads of people do that, but it's really hard, I think, to kind of make the, the difference. And as Sean said, I, I made the step of I'm now in my study, in my little office, the little box room, but it, it wasn't. It was full of storage, full of stuff, and I made the decision now I've got to make a, make a little office just to have a workspace. And that helps me, even from just being in the kitchen, love a cup of tea, I'd make tea all the time. Any excuse just to have some food, have some drink, whatever, you, you're breaking up, whereas now it's no, at least it's downstairs. Just sort of compartmentalising my own head yeah. has, has helped me a bit. Yeah, but then I suppose that comes down to us, doesn't it? So, like, kind of uh, knowing that, I'm not going to send you some emails on cases on next Friday and expect a response on Friday. It, it, it's, it's slightly strange, given that, yes, we know that you will be sat and you probably will have your laptop open and be saying, no, I'm not responding to you, Darren. But... I think that there should be some respect there from us. And I've, word, I've been, uh, my clients have certainly been that way. I've, because um, I've been emailing at daft times, I work in the evening, and whilst they may send responses there, no one's been demanding an instant response. I think everybody knows that we're in this together, and there's been some leniency there, if you like. But I do, yeah, I say that. A lot. 10 emails on Friday, Dan. 
so look out. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna issue, I'm gonna issue you against Dan on all my cases on Friday next week. All of Dan's clients, get in touch. You know, this is a guy that wants to help. <laughs> Pick up the phone. In fact, even FaceTime him much faster. I found that a few solicitors um, have still have got out of offices on, effectively saying, I'm working from home and therefore I'm not as contactable as I would be if I was in the office. Yeah, my colleague's doing that. He's, he's got one on. I don't, but he, he has and it says it works for him. Um, I think as well, because a lot of people are probably technically disadvantaged from being at home somewhat. You know, if you're used to having your two screens and now you're on a laptop and you, mm. you can't scan or print or whatever. Um, so I think it's probably worth doing if you feel the need. Um, and I think what Darren said, it's, it's kind of this ruling this together. It's letting people know, look, the, the response might be a bit slower at the moment, but I think that's all round, really. What, what do you think then, guys, as to when are we going to be back? When are we going to be in an office? When are you going to be in chambers? When are we going to be in court? When are we going to be in the pub? When are we going to be in the pub? Oh, I mean, the rumour is Christmas. Oh. <laughs> i tell you what, Christmas that first, that year, first yeah. Friday night when they lift the lockdown and they open the pubs, I think the NHS is going to be under more strain than it is at the moment. <laughs> I think everyone's just going to go absolutely crazy. And I think, you know, we haven't really touched on at the moment, like why we decided to sort of do this and to put this out there as content and to sort of, you know, for me, I think I've realised in the last couple of weeks how much I need, like, my friends, the people that I work with and the people that are my friends. Are those um, the guys that weren't available for this? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're obviously, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm scraping the barrel. But, you know, I think that, I think that I've, I've found real value in being able to reach out to, to you and other people that are sort of professionals and friends um, and how lucky are we that we can say that we can combine the two. But yeah, I think that first Friday night back in the pubs is going to be so much fun. Just for the fact that we've gone so long without seeing each other. And when you look back on it, you know, we are a social bunch. Yeah. I think by their very nature, family lawyers are sociable people. We're, we're people people. And, you know, when I look back on it, I, I see you chaps uh, a fair amount. And it's something that has been sort of probably one of the biggest adjustments for me is sort of being more comfortable in my own space, in my own skin and being able to process things uh, without that normal outlet of our sort of catch ups around a pint of Guinness type thing. Mm. But to go back to Dan's question, I, I don't know. I mean, let's ask Boris, right? I mean, I think I think there's going to be a gradual return to, you know, normal inverted commas. I think that pubs might take a hit for a while yet because I think that the government realises that when they take the cork out of the barrel, you know, it's, it's going to be a flood. And I think that they'll, they'll want to kind of gradually reintroduce people back into work life and social life. It's an interesting one though, isn't it? Because uh, I agree and I think that's what will happen. But there's a slight hypocrisy to avoiding people getting together in the pub. You know, we will have on that. That first Friday night will be, will be amazing. But... You know, those of us working in London, for instance, who take the tube into work. So if work's open and we're going into the office, we're going to court, whatever, and we're taking public transport that is busy, but certain social interactions, and Sean and with you, I've missed the social interaction more than anything else, just missing people. 
And you think, well, there's this slight hypocrisy in that. You have, on the one hand, you can't be in a pub because there's a lot of people in there. But we'll pack you on a train, a tube, a bus, or anything else. It, it's strange. I mean, you know, I have some sympathy with Boris because he's got a very difficult job in his hands and figuring out how we do it. I mean, this is, this is my outfit because I want the pubs up first. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I can, you know, I think the last thing to open should be the theatres. That's not because, and I'm, I like going to the theatre, but <laughs> what is it about being in a theatre with people coughing? Yeah. You can go, like, on the tube, in the pub, stand in the crowd, no one coughs. You get in a theatre, it's just constant. Like, people just can't help themselves. <laughs> I totally agree with you, Darren. I think there's no difference between everyone being packed on a tube than there is with people being in the pubs, um, other than the fact that people need the tube to get to work and technically you can buy beer elsewhere and don't really need to be in the pub, although I would put that as an essential service, but you know, <laughs> that's just me. Yeah, well, I mean, how are they going to differentiate? I heard that they might start opening some restaurants, you know, but how do you then differentiate between a restaurant and a bar that serves mm. food or a bar and a pub? Um, and I'm completely with you guys on the, the whole tube thing. It's, you, you go on some of the tube lines, you cannot move. The complete opposite of social distancing. But they're saying, oh, they might implement social distancing in the pubs. So what, you're only going to be allowed 20 people into 100 people place? You've all got to sit at opposite ends of the table? I, just, I, I can't see it working. Right. But, yeah. Well, I suppose you know, the question rather is... Rather they did that than, you know, nothing. Do you, but do you think that people are going to be quick to jump into kind of social environments again so readily. I'm, I'm not sure that everybody will be so kind of quick to kind of expose themselves to something that's, you know, in such recent memory. I mean, it's funny how lockdown kind of provokes certain behaviours that you don't, that aren't necessarily um, what you would expect of yourself, like going shopping in supermarkets and those little excellent stickers on the floors in like Waitrose and M&S, et cetera, telling you where to stand. And, you know, I've just found myself absolutely filled with apoplectic rage when people come closer to me than those figures. And it's, I'm not sure that it's entirely rational, but it's society has encouraged me to kind of build a rule around this. And so I get really annoyed when people, other people contravene it. Mark's been using his trolley as a battering ram. Yeah. <laughs> Stay away. I mean, two I meters. fully intend to keep the two metre rule going long after lockdown's over. Uh, I also think that Mark just uh, disclosed the fact that he can take a few months of reduced income from the fact that he shops in Waitrose and M&S. You know, right. no, re no reference. <laughs> there are other supermarkets no available. There are other supermarkets uh, yeah, available. Yeah, <laughs> named purely for example, there are many places you can go and pick. <laughs> <laughs> just not for Mark. Where you won't see Mark. But I can't get the Sauvignon Blanc I really like in anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, there are many other supermarkets available for everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> Leave the Waitrose to Mark. You won't yeah. have to worry about his two metre distances. I'm quite enjoying the whole shopping thing. I mean, I haven't done a lot of it, and, uh, and my lovely wife has been the one, but she says she loves it. You know, go Monday morning to a big Sainsbury's or a big Tesco's. She says she loves it. You know, you, you're in there. There's no queue at the checkouts. So you might have to queue to get in for a bit, but it's the same overall time, really, and you, you get your own space. It's, it's clean. It's, it's, it's a day out, out is what it is. It's, yeah. it, 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 it's getting out of this house is what it you is. Guys I, managing I, to I love it. Walks and stuff. Are you getting out every day? Yeah, I'm trying to do my uh, my, my exercise. Um, I'm not sure if I breach any rules by confessing this, but I go out for one exercise for myself and then one for the dog. So I get two a day. 
But there we are. Stone him. Stone him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's prima facie evidence we've got right there. So go on then, boys. I'll, 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 make you, um, I'll make you pinpoint a date where we're going back to office or chambers. Put your oh, money where your mouth is. There's a nice bottle of red for the winner. It, it, it may be, it may not be from Waitrose or MS. <laughs> it might be my favourite uh, bottle from the co-op. I'm checking <laughs> out of this competition. I'm going to say, I'm going to be quite optimistic and say that lockdown will be taken down a notch or started to be staggered from the 1st of June. So when do you think we'll be back in, when you'll be back in chambers? Just after that date? 2023, 2024? <laughs> <laughs> no, I imagine, it's finger in the air. Say 1st of July for me, that's my bit. Okay. So I'm going to go sooner than that, because I think that, as soon as the restrictions get lifted, I think they're going to want to gradually get people back into the office. We might sort of do it on a staggered basis, so a certain number of people per day on like a rotation. I agree with Sean. This is going to be a staggered approach. So is it the first day when we run into the office and we're allowed to go in for the first time? Is that when? Is that the date we're trying to guess? I'm obviously overthinking this, which I appreciate. But it's yeah. the first day where you might consider it to be slightly normal in that there is a group or gathering of people in an office. It's when you, you know, we're permitted to kind of go back to work. Do you know what? In that case, I'm bringing mine forward. I think it's going to be mid-June on the basis that if it's fine for us to go out and shop and go to restaurants, the imperative is going to be more on the side of getting the country back in business and earning money. And yeah. therefore, any restrictions related to offices, I imagine that would come pretty quickly. Fifteenth of June. Fifteenth of June. I'm saying. Can't steal mine, Sean. I mean, that's the same well, actually, I think you've stolen Sean's really. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, you you I, looked in I your first was... of July, is what I heard. But uh, so, what did you say, Sean? I said fifteenth of June. Fourteenth of June. Forty, Mark, you got it's a Sunday. Sean's I'm... just completely. <laughs> Darren's gone for a Sunday, so we're all winning. <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Twenty <laughs> second of June. See, I think you might all be being very optimistic. I originally thought we wouldn't be back until June. June was going to be my date, but I'm really not sure now. We're still in lockdown. There's going to be a gradual, and actually, I think they're going to leave it to look. If you can work from home, work from home, and I think we've proven that we can. So I'm going to go later. I'm going to go at the start of July. I mean, I'm not convinced that you've proven that, to be honest, Dan. I mean, and I've seen your work. Standard of my work in the first pod. Can you revise my date, please, given that I said a Sunday without having no, a calendar? No, 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 no. But I now oh, have a calendar. No. Oh, we allowed Mark to what makes a little barrister so special. He could revise him. <laughs> so I little will... barrister. By the way, little barrister is not going to make it into... <laughs> We're going to find another name. It already <laughs> has, so... Three solicitors and a little barrister. Three solicitors and a little what? barrister. I'll be super optimistic then, and therefore take that week. So I've got the 8th of June. All right. But well, gents, a lovely... Five pound bottle of co-op, very nice by the way, red wine, will be winging its way to one of you. Or maybe, come June, I can give it to you in person. Oh, perfect. 
yeah, well, it gives us an incentive to continue these catch-ups, say, lads, because we're going to have to now bridge the gap. I'm not sure, to be honest, Sean. I'm pretty sure all of this could have just been put in an email. <laughs> Mark's rethought the whole podcast idea. I'm yeah. checking out. I'm sending that cool. microphone back. He's found out that we don't shop at Waitrose and M&S regularly. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you guys, I thought this was a conference with council. I wasn't aware that this is a podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not getting paid for this, Mark. It's not how oh, this works. Okay, I'm logging out. <laughs> <laughs> Last orders at the bar, please. Guys, I do have one question that we do need to at least deal with or think about how we deal with it. What is the name of this podcast going to be? Oh, the million dollar question. I think we might need to put some options out there and get our one and only fan um, to pick. The only other person that knows this exists. Yeah, well, maybe, you know, we could we could have a pod chat in this. We could have a, a short pod on the name, the, the the naming of the pod pod. I'm still a fan of three solicitors and a little barrister, but uh, you know, <laughs> apparently an objection to that. I mean, I didn't. Did you read it? I don't think so. I think it was an anonymous objection, which means it was probably from Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I I'm not really sure where, but I'm. I, I feel that that name just didn't poll very well in terms of our demographic. But our demographic at the minute is four. Is us. <laughs> <laughs> we might need to change some of the speakers on this podcast, I think. <laughs> There's going to be a coup at the end of episode one. I have actually floated the idea of this podcast to one or two other of our friends, also in the family law world. And I have actually got three people who have all said that they'd like to be guests. Oh, perfect. There you well, go. We're, we're flying. Yeah, I think I think that's a good idea. I think um, you know, getting uh, regular guests on to uh, either if one of us can't be there, make up the four. We should always probably go with four, as we spoke about before. We should always have at least four, and then if we can get an extra on, just to give a different kind of viewpoint, that would be handy. And I agree, absolutely, because we are all very boring. <laughs> 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 yeah, our, our, our next week's summary of how we're doing in lockdown is probably going to be very similar to this week's summary. So having another view on it is probably a good thing. What's the most exciting thing to, that you expect to happen in the next seven days for you, Shah? Back with you. In a really cliched response, I think the most exciting thing in the next seven days would probably be that little Felicity will probably have her first smile. Oh, oh, we should, we should. You to, why did you go and make that all nice? Why didn't we? Oh, because I, because I'm a nice guy. What do you want me to say? I'm going to drink my own body weight in red wine and probably vomit. We know that. Seat. We've established that. <laughs> <haven't> we? <laughs> yeah, that's what we wanted. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Now you've got the best of both worlds. Yeah, when I win that cheap bottle of red from Co-op, that probably will make me vomit in the sink, won't it? So there you go. I, I, it won't. No, I tell you what, it's a hidden gem. You're all going to be. Oh, do you know what? I might break the bank and send you all a bottle. Oh, look at him, Mr. Generous. But gentlemen, I mean, um, Corona haircuts. I mean, that is, a, that is a very serious issue. So it turns out that clippers are absolutely easy to use, totally cool after a couple of YouTube videos on the front and sides. Turns out the back is a very different story. I'm telling you boys, I'm the winner in this coronavirus situation. It's very easy. 
Just get rid. Just go full. Just go full Ross Kemp, then you're all right. Full Ross and or Phil Kemp. There are other Kemp's available. Just go full Ross or Phil Kemp. Phil Kemp, Kemp, isn't it? No, have I got that right? Ross Ken. Ross Ken. Ken. I'm thinking of Who's Phil Kent? Phil Mitchell. Uh, I'm thinking of Phil uh, Mitchell. I was thinking of Ross and Phil, and I'm thinking, it's not Ross and Phil. Grant, Grant and Phil. Grant and Phil. Which one do you look more like? This is one from Mark and Sean. Who do you reckon he looks more like? I think he looks more like Peggy Mitchell to me. But I, I no. think he looks like the guy from Right Said Fred, but... the way you can that be our opening jingle, just Dan singing that song? Yeah, we just need... <laughs> I'll do that for you. We can do this. We... Yeah, a Right Said Fred song will be our opening opening credits. I'm too <laughs> sexy for my shirt. <laughs> yeah. <There you> go. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm with Sean. I think they say, we, you know, we kind of discussed this a while ago and we thought, why not? Um, keeps us busy, keeps us sane, more to the point at the moment. Uh, great thing to do now. But actually, having thought of it, you know, with the you know legal contacts that we all have, um, we, yeah, we could get some good guests on this, uh, and we could have different things and different things to chat about, and yeah, it could could be a runner, this boys. Nothing else. It's been a good excuse to catch up over a glass of wine or a beer. How many glasses of wine have you had, John? Uh, two, I think. These are my hot right. beers. Oh, <laughs> dance four beers down. I'm coming to the end of this little bottle. Right, you're a little barrister. It, it's little, you're just holding it very close to the camera. Is that why it's little? <laughs> Good stuff. Well, boys, look, you know, I've got a small baby downstairs. I reckon I'm going to have to go and do something grown up and dad like. But we should do this next week. What do you reckon? Yeah, very keen. Very keen. Yeah, definitely. Three solicitors and a little barrister will be back. <laughs> we will have a new name by F. The more, the more we say it, the more it's hard to move away from, isn't it? The more oh, we say it. what? The more we say what, Sean? The name, the, uh, like three solicitors and a little barrister. You know, three solicitors and a little barrister. Matt, can you say it? <laughs> can you say it and love it like we do? Have a lovely evening, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Till next time. Cheers, boys. Cheers, boys. Stay safe. That's time.